Well, I'm kind of excited to preach this word tonight because it's kind of been brewing on the inside of me. And uh, th- those, you know, when, when something really speaks to you and it stays heavy on your heart, it re- it's one of those things that you just cannot wait to get out. So I want to begin to talk tonight about what does it mean to be between two worlds? We're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about what it is to enter in to the things of God. You know, worship is all we are reacting to all he is. It's reacting to what he has done for us. Everything in life needs to be about God's glory. You know, we have a natural desire in our own life to worship. Whether it's a person, whether it's a thing, it's, it's in us. You know, I, I think about sports. I'm a huge sports fan. I love sports. I love basketball. And everybody right now is hinging. Well, not everybody, maybe not you, but is wondering where is LeBron James going to play next year? I'm kind of hoping he goes to the Lakers or stay with the Cavs. But needless to say, there are, there are people that hang on every word. They hang on everything that has to do with that spe- specific sport or that specific person. You know, they'll throw them a sweaty headband and they'll put it in a glass case, right? You've seen that probably. And then there was one st- statement that I'd heard a while back. It says, ladies, find a man that would defend you like they defend LeBron James. When they're talking about the greatest of all time and things like that. The point is, people desire, there's a worship, there's a desire to hang on every word, to own things by them, to read everything, to know stats, to envelop, to glory in in, in someone else's uh, abilities. And so when we look at that in the context, the Bible says, do not love the world nor the things in the world. What that means is don't take the love that you have for God, the, the, the adoration that you have for God, and give it to something here on this earth. Not our family, not our kids, not our friends, not, a, not an idol, not an item. Don't take that love, that unconditional love, and give it to something on this earth and let it take your, the, the place of God. Obviously, we love our families with a deep love, but we do not worship them. See, we are designed to give God glory. That's what we're designed for. We're designed to lift God up. We're designed to worship him and, and, to, and, and to adore him. Romans eleven thirty six. for everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. I love that. I love that. The Bible speaks really of two types of glory. There's intrinsic glory, which means it's all that God is. God, God's glory, you have to understand that God is so amazing, that he is perfect, that he is holy, that he is absolutely beautiful. That there is nothing better than God. Nothing is higher than God. Nothing is more magnificent than God. God cannot be taken away from glory. We, if everyone were to turn their back on God right now, the entire world, God would still be the most glorious God of all time. There is no God besides him. And then there's what we call ascribe glory. In other words, it's the glory that we give to God. 
that is what we do when we worship him. When we start to see who God is, it enlarges our view. It enlarges our appetite to, to press into the things of God. When we begin to see what he did for us, it pushes us to the, the fiery heart of God that loved us enough to send his own son while we were yet sinners. Amen. Worship comes out of the gratefulness of what we've been delivered from. Have you been delivered from anything? Tozier said, the most important thing about your life is what comes into your mind when you think of God. It's a high view of God that leads to high worship and holy living. Another, another one has said, everything in our lives flow from a knowledge of God. Even our knowledge of self flows from the knowledge of God. See, many times we get our attention focused back on us. Or we, we focus on what we're going through, our circumstances. We focus on us. And what happens is we just get our eyes off of what is really glorious. We, we, we get our eyes on the temporary. I want to look tonight at, at what God accepts as worship. God has designed this wonderful world, this, this, this world that just emanates his glory. And think about it. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world that is decaying, and look how beautiful it is when you look at the landscape. When you look at Niagara Falls, or you look at, at, the, at, at the mountains, or you look at the seasons as they change, even in a sinful state, it causes you to gasp at the amazingness of God. To be wowed by God is our spirit's desire. That is what we are longing for. If, it, if you're longing for a feeling, you'll put it in a pill and you'll search that thing out and you will try to get that and, and allow it to be your source and your strength. If it is, if it is wealth or if it is, uh, trinkets or toys, you will spend your entire life trying to build your collection of things that are going to burn up. That's where we get in all kind of trouble. Listen, what captures you is what will catapult you. If it's God, it will catapult you towards God. Now let's look at the scene in heaven. If you have a copy of God's word, you can open up to Revelation chapter 4. And I want to look beyond the roof, beyond the clouds, beyond space, and peek with me into the third heaven. When we are being crushed, by depression or temptation or sin. All it takes is a focus back on the creator. It is to peek beyond the things that are temporal. Let's look in Revelation chapter 4, starting in verse 1 and 11. It says, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here. And I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit and behold the throne in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper, Cornelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones and seated on the throne were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before 
the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, and the third creature was like the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, full of eyes around and within, and day and night never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. Praise God. That is what is going on right now in heaven. Right now as we speak, it's been that way for all eternity. Now think about this. Revelation 4.1, after these things, what are these things? After Jesus has laid out the seven, the seven letters of the seven churches, after Jesus has shown himself to John, imagine this, you have th some things that deserve to be an afterthought. The things that we bring in, into service sometimes, the troubles, that needs to be after these things. That needs to become an after these things. When you get into God's presence, you leave that behind. And you focus on God. You focus your affections and your joy on God. You don't look at the circumstances, at least for that time. When you step into a worship service, at any moment, no matter what is weighing you down, chains will come off of your arms as you will lift your hands to the God of all gods. John was on the island of Patmos. He was not in an ideal situation. He was chained like a political prisoner. He was locked away on an island. His circumstance, imagine being in prison for your faith. See, often our circumstances are not ideal. Remember Saul, he was knocked off of his horse and he had a suddenly moment and he was one of the greatest terrorists that ever walked the face of this earth. And instantly he was changed to one of the greatest men of God of all time. Remember Paul and Silas were in prison and instantly God invaded that cell and their worship experience resulted in people getting saved. Now think about this. He hears a voice and it's, and it's a command. It's an imperative. It's a summons from Jesus Christ himself. And he says, come up here. Think about that. Come up here. It's the voice whose head he would lay on his chest. Remember, John is the beloved. And John would hear that voice of Jesus. It was the same voice that would tell the woman, go and sin no more. It was the same voice when John would be frightened in that boat and Jesus would say, hush, be still. It's the same voice that is speaking to you and I today. But in, in the silence of the winds and the waves, can you pierce through the darkness and hear the voice of God? Jesus would tell you the same thing today. Fear not. Whatever is bothering you, whatever, whatever is pulling you down, Jesus would say, fear not. There is no fear that you and I can face that will ever be able to overpower the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Don't fear the doctor's results. Don't fear the job change. Don't fear the lack of finances. Right? Don't fear uncertainty. Jesus would tell you, I'm already there. Don't fear the future. 
Now Jesus summons him from an island into the presence of the almighty king. Listen, you might be chained to a circumstance or hopelessness tonight, but he is telling you, come up here and worship. You have access through my blood. That is the door that has been opened to us. It's the only door. There is no other door that can be opened. Good thoughts is not a door. Morality is not a door. Amen? Sometimes you, it's wonder if you can say that in church anymore. There is one way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In Acts, it says, there is salvation in no one else. There is no other name given to men among which we might be saved. We worship the living Christ in tr spirit and in truth. It's coming to know God. That's the first part of our vision. Know God. In other words, God is revealing himself to you. Are we watching? Are we looking? Are we listening? Are we reading? God is saying, hey, I have a way of escape. And it's Jesus Christ. God can make a cross that is such a hideous instrument of torture and make it beautiful. You and I belong on that cross. But Jesus Christ emptied himself and came and took our place. He moved us out of the way and he got on the cross and he said, I love you and I'm going to pay for the sin that you and I commit. Amen. So point number one, worship that sinners on God exalted is what he accepts. Notice when you sing, I exalt thee. I would enter into a chorus right now, but I cannot sing a lick. <laughs> but when you begin to sing, I exalt thee, what happens? Jesus begins to draw you and begins to pull you up out of your circumstance. That is what's happening. When you exalt Jesus, when you raise up your voice and you magnify him out of the mud, out of the dust, out of the dirt, and you begin to cry out to Jesus, he begins to draw you and woo you to himself. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. See, John enters into a worship service that is already going on as we speak. Sometimes we just need to focus on the reality of what's really going on. Revelation 4.2, immediately I was in the spirit and behold, there was a throne standing in heaven and one seated on the throne. What catches John's eye? Obviously, it's not the gates. It's not the, the gold streets. It's not even family. It's the one seated on the throne. And it says that there was a throne standing in heaven. Imagine that. And then one seating on the throne. It doesn't even need to tell you who it is. It's just known. It is the one who rules all. Amen. Come on, this is good news. I'll just be excited myself. I'm trying to get you to come with me. <laughs> this shows his supremeness, his rulership. Anything that is bothering you right now, God is ruling with a rod of iron over it. Amen? It's like a, a, the view of an airplane looking at an ant. It's so beneath God. Someone asked the preacher, preacher, should I pray about the big things or the small things? And that preacher looked at the young lady and said, ma'am, everything is small to God. 
everything is small to God. This throne is beyond this world, beyond the clouds, beyond the universe. It's in the third heaven. And John goes from a makeshift sail on an island instantly into the presence of God in a vision. Think about this. You know what he was telling him? Caesar is not ruling over you, John. I am seated and I am ruling over every affair on the face of this earth. And notice it's not hidden in some room. It's for all to see. I believe God laughs at man's little red buttons that he threatens us with. John, John was seeing, wow, God is the one that is over all. It was not a, a matter of changing where he was. It was a matter of changing his perspective. And that's what you and I need to know today. You at any moment can look heavenward and enter into the worship that is already going on. We go beyond where, where Satan is ruling and reigning. And we go beyond and we leave him and his minions behind when we begin to worship God Almighty. This, when it says that he is stand, the throne is standing, it means that it's fixed, it's immovable, it's triumphant, it's timeless, complete control. No missile could ever reach this throne. Kingdoms and leaders come and go as history escort them onto the pages of world history. But just like cutting grass on a summer day and a blower comes, it blows these kings and kingdoms into the street, never to be seen again. Because the one who rules and reigns, the Bible says that in Isaiah 40, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God stands forever, forever, forever. Amen. Now, if you notice in this, in this view, everything is around the throne. He is seated. He is, he is there. He is not waiting to be voted out. He's not waiting for a succession. There's no term limit. He is living and reigning and ruling. He towers over everything. God doesn't even have to get up to do anything. He just wills it and it happens. Amen. God's not in heaven saying, oh, I didn't see that and getting off the throne and try to fix it. He, st he sits and his, he's powerful and his will is emanating through all of the earth. Imagine John as he's sitting there and the glory of God is just flowing through him. I don't even know the words to say. I, I would imagine that every hair, every cell is standing at attention at the one who created it. Revelation 4, 3, and he who is sitting like a jasper stone. And a sardis in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne. Emerald in appearance. Listen, his glory resembles a diamond. If you look in Revelation 21, it says it's crystal clear. What's happening is God is so magnificent that everything around him, all the colors are being seen and being pushed through him. As his glory is shining all around heaven. It's amazing. The jasper. And Sardin stone is, what does that mean? The first was the stone of Reuben and the last was the stone of, of Benjamin. The firstborn and lastborn of Jacob. What does that tell us? He rules the beginning and the end and everything in between. Then there's a rainbow that's around. You know what that is? That's covenant. That means we serve a covenant God. But if you look in the last, at the great white throne, there is no Rainbow surrounding the throne. There's no more covenant. It's over. 
for those that stand at that judgment. So what God is telling us right now is come. And I'm telling you tonight, come. Come to Jesus. Come to Christ. While the rainbow is there, while his glory can be found. Amen. Man, I feel like a Baptist tonight. Number two, reverence and grateful, gratefulness in worship. Revelation 4, 4, around the throne were 24 thrones, and upon the throne I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white garments, and the golden crowns on their head. Listen, we worship because, we don't worship because of our experience, our circumstance, we worship because God is involved in our circumstance and our experience. They're clothed in white, which is purity, which is spotless. It is the spotless robes that they wear because Christ has given that to them. It is his righteousness. It is justified just as if we never sinned. Justification really is the paperwork in heaven that declares you to be righteous. That means when you stand before God, you don't have to bow your head or be worried. Christ has paid the price that says, come in, it's the door, amen, it's the door. And that's why we serve in joy. That's why it's not a burden. We get to serve God. We get to read our Bible. We get to go into the neighborhood and tell people about how great our God is. Amen. The elders are around the throne. And what do they do when they, they get these experiences? They fall on their face. Imagine that. God is not saying it's putting their face down. It's just the glory. Who can stand it? I want to be in a situation like that. I don't know about you. See, a high view of God produces a deep reverence. You know, I always keep in mind that God didn't have to save me. He didn't have to save you. You know We've taken the gospel, and now we look at people and we say, I can't believe God would allow this person to go to hell. We act, we act as if people go to hell innocently. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? Us. No one goes to, how dare we lay a charge at God's feet and say, this person deserves to go to heaven. No one deserves to go to heaven. It is his justification. While we were yet sinners. That is why we run with the good news. That is why we tell everybody we come in contact with, like, dude, listen to the gospel. If you are not passionate about the gospel, something is wrong with the salvation you claim. Now, I know we get sidetracked in the ditch and we go through situations and we get frustrated, but it is up to us to dust ourselves off because we just read earlier that God is holding us. We need to focus our attention back on the realities of heaven, not on the temporary. That's what we do. We stay looking at the temporary. And we get, we get sucked into that. And yes, that is there. But listen, the Bible says that the things that are in heaven are not worthy to be compared to what we suffer on this earth. Amen? Now think about this. When we think about Jesus, I've started to think about this as I was reading Revelation when it describes Jesus. And you know, we, we, it's like we say, Jesus, come, praise you, Lord, come and see, come and meet me, come, you know, we, we call out, Jesus, take the wheel, all this stuff. Listen, I started to think about this. If Jesus himself were to walk through these doors, it wouldn't be a three-piece Jesus who looks like Gandhi. 
Could you imagine the Jesus that is described in the book of Revelation? I can imagine the lobby host <laughs> handing out bulletins like, hey, welcome to the family life. And in comes this Christ that we worship. And he would just bust through the door. Every door would fling open as his glory would just come through. We would hit the ground. Then the ushers, poor ushers. There's no asking Jesus where you want to sit. He sits wherever he wants. And but the thing about it is, as Jesus comes in, you know what's happening? You're being pulled into his glory. You're being pulled into his grace. You know how I know that? Because look at when you're in a worship service and you begin to worship Jesus and the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, just rumbling, rumbling, pointing, pointing it to, to the one who is seated at the right hand of God. And look what happens during that. Imagine if Jesus comes in the flesh. His hair is white like wool. As his eyes are like fire, he would look at everything and burn every wall. He would walk and his feet are like burnished bronze, sizzling the very ground. If you have a, a thought of fear in your mind, it would leave instantly as the Prince of Peace walks beside you. This is the Jesus we serve. There, his face would shine brighter than 10,000 suns. He would be like a giant, 10,000 earthquakes as we would just fall. Remember, John was Jesus' best friend. Have you seen your best friend after 10 years? You don't fall. Jesus sees John and John sees Jesus and he says he falls like a dead man. Why? Not out of fear like Jesus is going to kill me, but out of his glory. How much more? We need to wake up. We don't serve some pretend God. We serve the very king of kings. Amen. We would fall and humbly honor and adore. Instantly, our minds would be connected. Jesus would be looking at us, and we would just explode in joy and peace because he has paid the price for every sin. There's no guilty conscience in the presence of Jesus. Right? There is no condemnation in Christ. I love that verse. Amen. It just takes perspective. Get the perspective right. Yes, things are going on. Yes, today's my dad's birthday, and he is in heaven. But guess what? I am not worried because I promise you he is having the best birthday party that can be, <laughs> that can be had. Oh, yeah, I can't, we're not baking no cake that will compare to heaven. But I'm just telling you, I'm not telling you this because I'm just thinking this. I'm experiencing this because my mind is focused on the one who, who has paid the price. Amen. But this power enables us to live free from any bondage, from any turmoil whatsoever. When we start to think about the glory of God, you know what it does? It produces a desire to live rightly. And his power, notice there was, there was uh, flames of fire around the throne. That's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, once you go through the door, and the Holy Spirit is there. He empowers you. We're still walking into the presence of God at this point. Have you ever been so excited that you tremble? I have. It's kind of weird, but I've, I've been that way. I, I believe that is the kind of fear and trembling, the reverent awe of God that you and I will experience. Listen, when we begin to understand the things of God, it's heart arresting and heart gripping. It pulls you to him. 
How could we not serve God? I don't understand that. Even on our worst day, we just need to fix our mind on what really is going on. Amen? Number three, a worship as a lifestyle in service. We're about to go a little deeper here. Out of the throne comes flashes and lightnings and sound of thunder. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was something like a sea of glass. Before the throne, there was something like, I'm sorry, I read that already, like crystal. And the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion. The second creature like a calf or an ox. And the third creature had a face like a man. The fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, day and night, never cease to say. Now think about this. I know you're thinking, what is all that? We're going to get to it. I know. Like wings, six wings, man, ox. You see, we see cherubim surrounding the throne. And really their function is symbolic. They're there, but their function is symbolic. Remember, Satan was a chief cherubim and he got too close to God and God kicked him out of heaven because he wanted God's position and God was having none of it. See, they're there today. God doesn't need protection. God's not on heaven saying, hey, did you see that? God is almighty. If you read it, these angels are like, all right, man, we're going to walk right here. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> It's the holiness of God. And so what does that tell us today? They are full of eyes. It's a picture of constant surveillance. We ourselves should be constantly watching our own lives as it pertains to the glory of God. We ourselves should be watching. The Bible says that Satan roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. We understand that God is holy. And we can't approach the throne aside from Christ. Remember, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, God placed cherubim with flaming swords so they could not come back. He is holy. He is separate from among us. But through Christ, we have a door that he says, come in. Look at these attributes as we can apply in our own life. The lion, he is strong in service to God bold and courageous. There is nothing that you can shrink back from. Like, like the old adage says, you don't have to protect a lion, just let him out of the cage. Amen? Number, number two, an ox, sacrificial, constant, in service to God. Perseverance. That's what we need to have when we serve Jesus. It gets rough. It gets worth, no, nobody goes into war and like, man, it was pretty good. I ate a sandwich while bullets were flying over. If you're one of these that say, well, I don't bother the devil, or the devil doesn't bother me, you're not in the right troop. You're not in the right battle. You might be on the wrong side. If you are following Jesus, there are bullets flying over you right now, flying at your family, flying at your property, <laughs> flying everywhere. But fear not, because Jesus Christ has overcome every fiery dart. And he has given you his mind, his power, his heart, his joy. And that is what we walk with every single day of our life. Then the face of a man, intelligent, reasonable service to God. Right? Think about that. We need to use the mind that God has given us. 
We need to be attentive and alert to what God is calling us to do. So when we know him in our mind, it stirs our affection and drives the will. Amen. We know him in our mind. We hear a message. It begins to stir the joy, the peace. Maybe it's conviction. I need to cut this out of my life. Stuff like that, right? No? (laughs) And then it drives your feet to action. That is what God does in our life. That is how we move the kingdom of God forward. And then an eagle, quick to carry out the works of God. They, they fly swiftly to do what they need to do. So God wants us to find the purpose that he has for us to do these things, to serve him in a glorious capacity, no matter what it is, because you're serving the one who is worthy of all the glory. Amen. See, our chief reason is to worship God, enjoy him, glorify him. That is, that is, that is living. And if you are sitting here and you say, no, I'd rather live for myself, woe unto you. I don't know how else to say it. I know what it's like to be selfish and want what I want. Guess what? It'll drive me where I should not go. And eternally, it will drive me where you and I do not want to go. We submit our lives to Christ. And listen, it is the best decision you will ever make. The benefits are far beyond what you and I could even think about on this earth, on this fallen earth. Listen, there are mansions on high. The Bible says that God has not even, has not even entered into the mind what God has planned for those who love him. There's things in heaven we are like, what is that? But there are also things, if you look during the tribulation, that are coming out of the ground that people are saying, what is this? Think about it. We serve a good and all-powerful and gracious God. His, His commandments are not burdensome. Coming to church is not a, 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 not even worthy of a box with a check. We get to come to church. We get to hear gospel preaching. We get to read the word of God in every language, even in picture Bibles. Now think about this. They have six wings. That means there's, there's two that are covering the eyes. What does that mean? Think about this. They cover their face because even the angels cannot even look at the perfect picture of God. And what does that tell us? We serve the Lord not understanding things, not seeing clearly. Kids dying of cancer. We don't understand that. Not being able to have kids. Children losing their lives. Wives being taken. Husbands being taken early. We don't understand that stuff. That's the wings but one day there will, we will see brighter and brighter and we will understand it all. We will glory in it all. We will, we will appreciate it. Cause listen to this. God never makes a mistake. And I don't understand that. I don't. Sometimes you feel like, well, God, you missed it here, but he did not. All things work out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is where I anchor my boat. Whether I understand it or not, God is too wise to make a mistake and too loving to be unkind. And I cannot explain everything and I can't give you a reason that God himself has not given. But I'm telling you, trust, 
Come with me and trust, even though we can't see. Number two, wings. On, they, they fly. I mean, they're willing to go. We need to be committed to do whatever the Lord calls us to do. And then the wings on the feet. Think about this. We walk knowing that we are unworthy in and of ourselves. We humbly walk before God. We walk knowing that the only reason I'm in the presence of God, the only reason God is using my vocal cords right now is because Jesus Christ allows it. He could have a donkey, and I'm telling you, it would be a lot better because, I mean, think about it, a donkey talking? That'd be, I mean, sit down, Kel. I would sit down for that. Number four, constant worship in every season of life. Revelation 4, 8, day and night, they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is to come. Now think about that. Isaiah sees the same thing in his book in the sixth chapter. Notice it's not saying love, love, love. Or grace, grace, grace. You know why? Everything comes out of holiness. That's why we understand love. That's what makes it better. You and I know that we're not holy in and of ourselves, right? You and I know that we don't deserve love. You and I know that we don't deserve grace. But his holiness connects all of that where? At the cross. In Christ. But notice it comes from his holiness. In other words, God's name. God is who he is. And the beautiful thing about God is he doesn't break anything of his character to redeem us. In fact, it all works for the glory of himself. I mean, when you start to try to even wrap your mind around God cannot be in the presence of sin. God cannot be with sinners. Yet Christ died. That can only come out of the mind of God if you think about it. This is a perfect story. It is a perfect salvation. There is nothing greater than that. So God is holy. Man deserves to be set apart. Christ comes, empties himself, lives a full life. Listen, not only does he redeem us, that just means he brings us to zero. But then he empowers us and our, our, our balance goes way beyond what we could ever think or imagine. So he, he redeems us and he gives us access to himself which is the greatest thing he can give himself. Some of y'all might want a car or, but listen, man, if the tires bust, you're on the side of the road. You're never on the side of the road with God. There is help coming. Somewhere, some way he is coming and he will help. Look at this in heaven. God is even separated, but he's in the midst of everything. Every, and then it says my, his might. That means all might comes from God and all might is taken from God as he raises up kings and lowers them down, right? As he raises up kingdoms to do exactly what he wants and then he raises them down. He scatters and then brings back. He brings, he scatters Israel like dust. And they come back 2,000 years and they are standing ramrod straight, 
full of bones and full of skin and full of muscle. And they're one of the mightiest nations on the face of the earth. And in the last days, they will be the mightiest kingdom on the face of the earth with Jesus Christ himself ruling with David. Amen. That's awesome. (laughs) All right. We're wrapping up here. Number five, solely focused on him. Notice I didn't say man, because listen, the key is God. Listen, when I start thinking about me or if I did my quiet time and I listened to a worship song and I got some tears, I could think, man, I'm something. Man, God, you invaded my space and praise God. Man, I got the free songs. But listen, when I focus on God all the time, I am constantly being pulled up regardless of what I'm feeling. I could be in the worst of the worst situation and I'm saying, God, You see what's going on here. This is ridiculous. But Lord, nonetheless, I worship you. I honor you. Not be, listen, this is the greatest thing on earth if you think about it. When we stand before Jesus, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be holy. How much more when you get off and you dust yourself off, you take that thing that is killing you and you worship through that. That is a sacrifice of praise. And I believe it probably brings a tear to God. I believe he looks at that and he's like, now that is worship. I heard a story and and the guy was a singer and he was saying, man, he was hoarse and he couldn't sing. He was trying to sing all he could and it just wouldn't come out. He was pitchy, probably sounded like me. (laughs) Just pitchy, dog. Which is worse than pitchy, but. But he said. He felt so burdened because he couldn't sing. And he said, God spoke to him and said, that's worship. Because you're wanting to worship me and you cannot. That is pushing through. That is what you and I get to do now. Look at verse 9 through 11. And watch how many times it's him. And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down before him and sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their thr- their crowns before the throne saying worthy are you o lord our god to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because your will they existed and were created in other words they were fixated on him when we come here sometimes we fixated on the person next to us like what kind of shirt is that what kind of shoes is that right is the, is the worship team on, on point? Is that an A flat or G minor? Oh, yeah. See, it must not be a real thing because they laughing. <laughs> but they realize that I'm here because of him. Listen, we need to big, be big God people. We need to see God. And not focus on us. Not focus on each other. Focus on God. I'm telling you, when life is beating the stew out of you and you have nowhere to look up, look around, all you can do is look up. That is the best place that you can be. That is the best view that you will ever have. Because one day when you're up there, you'll be looking down and you will see that it is nothing. That is not even worthy to be compared to the things that God has for us. Amen. And in closing, can we stand? Listen. 
Their crowns are given. And one day we're going to stand before God and we're going to bring everything that we've done and we're going to throw it at his feet. That is making a difference now. Whatever, whatever God has called you to do, this is the fourth part of what we talk about, about making a difference. In other words, what you do here will be currency there. And when you do what you do for God, when you serve him, when no matter what it is, God looks at it. Listen, God keeps perfect track of every dollar you give, right? We're talking about money in church. Look out. Of every time you smiled at someone that was going through something and you did it in the name of the Lord. When you listen, there's a lot of people doing good things, but they're doing it for their own purpose. And it'll be like wood, hay and stubble and it'll burn up. But when you do what you do for the glory of God, it will be the most glorious time when you stand before Jesus and you say, I don't deserve this. And you throw it down and all you want to do is be on his feet. And he's saying, get up. We are heirs and joint heirs. Amen. Praise God. And so here's a quick plug. This Sunday is our next steps class. Go into that fully expecting God to speak about knowing him, right? About living free, right? Finding your purpose and then making a difference. And I can't think of a better way than on September 21st when we lace up our shoes and hit the community, right? Oh, y'all better eat breakfast because it better sound better than this. Praise God. Listen, remember this. John went back to that island, but his perspective was forever changed. And you might be here tonight and you say, I don't even know anything about perspective. All I know is religion. But I need to know this one you speak of, and his name is Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to challenge you tonight. You can go between two worlds, this world and the heavenly world at any moment when you stop to worship the King of Kings. But you must come through the door. You must hear, come. And I'm telling you tonight, if you do not know Christ, come. Come to him tonight. Don't say tomorrow. Tomorrow is the devil's day. Come now. Charles Spurgeon has a, a sermon. It's called Now. God didn't say tomorrow. He said now. Amen. Listen, you will enter into the gates of glory if you walk out of these doors and a truck runs you over. Praise God that won't happen. Or I'll be a little bit in, you know, a mosquito. West now. How about that? Which would be horrible if you get to heaven and it's like, I've died of a mosquito bite. Maybe you have family that died of a mosquito bite. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but listen, 2 Corinthians 6.2, the acceptable time is now. Today is the day. Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow for now. Today is, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. It's just that simple. So if you do not know Christ, I just want you to raise your hand with every head bowed and every eye closed. And I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you, and we're going to ask Christ to come into your life. I see your hands. I see your hands. Come on, be bold. Let it, all of heaven see. Praise God. Come on, pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus, and I confess that I have sinned, that I've fallen short 
And I ask you to save me by the death that you died on the cross. And I believe that you were raised from the dead on the third day. I am a child of the King. I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give him praise God, praise God. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we just want you to do one thing. There's a card in front of your pew with a green stripe. Just fill it out and bring it into the lobby and we'll have a gift for you and we want to pray for you. Now for the rest of us, simply this. Us that are born again, strive to keep your perspective on Christ. Amen? I'm telling you, keep your perspective on Christ. Yes, we see the things going on. We see our worries, but don't stay there. That's where depression will come and try to latch on and all of these other vices that we take on. Keep our mind focused on Christ. Keep our heart and will focused on what he wants to do. And one day, all of this will wrap up. Amen. Come on, I'm looking forward to Jesus' return. I don't know about y'all. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, I just thank you right now for all those that are here. Lord, I ask that you would bless them with your presence. Bless them with everything that you desire to give them. And Father, but I ask right now that you would bless them with everything that they need, whether it's peace, grace, mercy, power, healing. Lord, I'm asking right now, your word says when two agree touching anything on earth, God, we agree right now by faith for you to show your miraculous powers in their lives. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. And the church said, amen. Praise God. You're dismissed.